0: the so. Let's
1: Yes, sir. What more page, out the cage, on the stage, all the rage, that was. The Welsh band, climbing trees, live at Colenso's house, singing River Home. Cue, q, q, q Nigel. Yes, sir. The Pigeons in the Park, a poem by Nigel. The sirens are circling the streets, the old folks are keeping their seats. The pigeons take off in a rush. Twilight comes in with a hush. The acorns are rolling around. The squirrels scoop them up from the ground. The children are riding their bikes. The phoners are tapping their likes. The cycles are spitting their sound. Long time I've seen you around. The dogs, they follow their chains. The benches, they soothe many pains. The actors are learning their lines. The yuppies are sipping their wines. What will it be like to hear your voice, after all of these years. The twilight was soothing the air. I looked back and you were not there. What do you expect that I'll do when I open the door and it's you? The swallows are skimming the sky. Why didn't you ever say bye? The pigeons have floated back down. They're bowing and pecking the ground. Thank you, Nigel. Yes, sir. Cue Mr. Ross. How you doing, Douglas? Hey, Nigel. Doing quite well, Mr. Ross. Thank you very much for asking. Let's get right to it. Chapters eight and nine. We begin the desertion. The three gentlemen, Goodall, Seat, and Aintree are on their way west from Virginia. Brings up the main question of the book so far, Mr. Ross. Are they alive or are they dead? That is a good question, Douglas. I am not really sure. I just know that they are traveling. Mmm, diplomatic answer, Mr. Ross. Well, all we can do is yam on. That's right. Whenever you're ready, Mr. Ross, well, why don't you give us a brief introductory address about what you're going to be reading today. All right, today I'm going to be reading Chapter 10. It's the penultimate chapter of Part 1, and it takes place... um, at an old woman's house in the West Virginia hills of Dolly Sod's, and her name is Ma Pickett, and she is a healer. Mm. Well, we all need healing from time to time. Whenever you're ready, Mr. Ross, read on. Thanks, Douglas. Chapter 10. Boys, she says, I done stoked three red oak fires under three cedar wash barrels filled with an elixir of castor oil, water, bath salts, and a hint of cat piss, which, when heated to the right degree and dosed upon your bodies, will give you the healing, cleansing bath of a lifetime. Pishaw, don't be shy with them long-handled scrub brushes. Scrape those layers of blood, mud, and guts off you and emerge from the glorious dousing brand new men. I toddle over to the stack of oak by the door, place one more log on each fire, and then ease into my tub. At first, the heat bites me. But as the fire dies down, the temperature becomes just right and I commence scrubbing my corpus with a hunk of lye soap and the long-handled scrub brush. Goodall returns from his hiatus and slips into his tub with a sigh. Aintree lifts his dripping arm up and asks, Have you ever looked at your arm, Goodall, and wondered at the miracle of its creation? Hold up your arm and look at it. What is it? Rotate it. How did it come to be? It extends out of you, yet represents you. Isn't that freaky deaky, goodall? I mean, look. Really look at your arm. It sticks out from you. A gosh darn appendage. Now your hand. That's even more amazing because that contraption takes all sorts of messages to and from the world and transforms them into actions. I, for one, wonder where the me stops or where the me starts. Is it at the very tips of our fingers? Is that where the me starts? Or is it at the tip of our ears? Or on the skin outside of our heart housed inside our chest? And what is the nature of time? What is air? What is water? What is fire? What is earth? Grass? Love? Brotherhood? Soul? Sadness? Happiness? Future? Past? Possibility? Fate? Potential? Predestination? And why don't my hands stop shaking? Holy day, ain't you What you been smoking? But I hear you. An arm and a foot and a hand are strange contraptions, called on to perform at times odious or beautiful tasks. But regardless, I don't reckon I've ever had a bath like this. We owe much to Ma Pickett and our lucky stars. By golly, the tar is just falling off me, and I think I'm starting to see real skin. hoo me too. What a difference some soap, heat, and water can make. We soak until Ma Pickett comes knocking at the door and calls. Now don't you boys slip off into total oblivion in there. Sausage and eggs and blueberry flapjacks are almost up. Coffee, toast and tea. Whenever you're ready boys. Whenever you're ready. But we're not quite ready. How could we be? Would we ever be? For the second hour of soaking we three silently commune with the miraculous expanse of our flesh. And feel for a spell a regression to our former, solid, complete selves. We feel our hearts beat inside of our chest and our shoulders relax and our necks relax and our hands relax, our trigger fingers relax, the punished soles of our feet relax, the knuckles of our hands relax, our elbow joints relax, our hip joints relax, the tendons in our fingers, our guts, our core, our loins, our heads, our ears, our necks, our feet Our arms, legs, back, shoulders all relax into the deepest of semi-sleeps. An old woman's disembodied voice reaches into the furthest depths of our ablutions. All right, boys. Eggs, sausages, blueberry flapjacks are up. Extricate yourselves. Don't want to pickle you. Look-see, I hung some cotton robes for you on the pegs by the door. We three hop out of our tubs. Cut on our drain valves, unpeg the three thick cotton robes, and don them. Listen briefly to the dying crackles of the red oak fires to the worn tub water as it runs down the bamboo sluice and splashes into gravel. The three of us, white-robed and ravenous, enter the cabin and immediately begin to devour Ma Pickett's generous repast. Golden brown pancakes... Slathered in fresh creamery butter and drizzled with syrup. Golden brown home fries salted and peppered and ketchup, ketchuped just so. Sizzling sausage hell-bent on busting its casing. Salty tang of buttery grits. Huge sweating mugs of cold elderberry tea. Farm fresh eggs over easy. Their proud yellow yolks serve as genial hosts for bacon dipping. Huge sweating mugs of cold elderberry tea doused with honey, monkey bread, stewed rhubarb, coffee, and a one-eyed peat. Well, it's staying light longer now, ain't it boys? And I do declare, my you boys will sleep the sleep of angels with your bellies all full and here I come to lay wool blankets atop you. Don't mind the cats and the kittens who jump up and knead their paws into the warm places and I'm a blessed old woman to be able to attend to the dying and the dead, the living and the loving and the healing and the feeling. Blessed to help sanctify you boys in the healing, heated, pure rain, water, and to fill your sunken bellies with God's honest grub. They are good boys, all of them, but damaged. Outwardly speaking, the damage is obvious, but inwardly it bites and fights and tears them down. Look, see how my cats crawl into the crux of their underarms and listen how those boys snore. And look-see how the one shakes from time to time, and how the other slightly whimpers and moans, and how the other snores and snorts. Another couple days of feeding and soaking will put them right. The trick is to get that heat right down to their bones, to heal them from the inside out. I, Arthur, dream of alabaster golden kingdoms made of sand. Of my girl coming to me through the orchard's gleaming sunlit peaches. Hanging low and fully ripe and falling off their branches with one soft and tender twist. Holding on to Ruth, spinning her like a top up into the fragrant layer of air just above the orchard's reach. Where the honey bees buzz by in rapid transit keeping their exact azimuths to and fro narrowly missed collisions. So it goes. We float up holding on to one another in suspension, looking down on all the bees and blossoms. Bluebirds twittering and skittering from limb to limb, then off to the fence post periphery. Lovely, lovely bluebird. Ruth and I, still locked in naked embrace, fed by the sun's rays, shift our position and float down into a golden bower of a golden nest and feel soft there. We are safe atop our blooming, buzzing, fragrant fruit trees and we feel the sun beaming down upon our naked skin and we hold on, hold on, hold on to each other and kiss, and kiss, and kiss, stare straight into each other's eyes, past our eyes, and into each other's brains, and tenderly traips into that undiscovered country, and find ourselves on golden hillsides, in golden fields of grain, far-off places unlocked within our imaginations we feel each other move and see and feel a thousand other layers within the core of our souls and it is as if our brains interchange and our minds meet and share astonishment at the the concept of two people finding one another alone with one another in a nest a sanctuary a bed a couch A kitten crawls up my shoulder and lightly paws my ear and I turn and wake and catch the little green olive-eyed brown tabby from falling off its perch, and I am alive. I've got to get to Ruth. She came to me in my dream. She held me and was happy. The peaches were ripe and heavy, glittery and gold. Arthur? Arthur? And she would lick my ear. What? Holy day, what's that, a kitten licking my ear and good all in my face? Squeeze the pauses out, son, let's get on the road. Ma Pickett, we love you and your husband's version of Jefferson Pools. All good wishes of good fortune to you, saintly lady, from our hearts to you. May your healing waters always flow, and may your heartstrings always know, peace, love, and understanding. And to your own selves, she says as we exit out the door. Once the cure's with you, it's always with you, boys. Call to it when you need it, and it will come.